You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 19. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And once again, I am honored to have your time. I know it is valuable. It is a blessing to have you here. I am super excited about this episode because I know for a lot of you, you have just gotten into school. We're looking at maybe a one, two, three weeks of class for a majority of you, uh, feeling pretty confident that none of you are, are into the first past the first month. And so think about all the amazing different habits that you are starting to create. Think about all the amazing experiences that you have already begun to have. When you first start school, there are so many things that are unfamiliar to you, right? You're, you're figuring out the best path to class, the best time to wake up so you can get there early or just on time or not be late. Where are you going to have lunch? How much is that going to cost? How's that going to fit into your budget? How much are you going to get your textbooks for? Can you find them online? Are you stuck paying cartel prices at the bookstore? You know, what are you going to wear the first day of class? Do you even like the backpack you have? You know, are you going to be able to figure out the software they ask you? I mean, there's so many. Not even, And that's just the mental stuff for school. Then you've got the emotional, interpersonal communication with your roommates and your new classmates and your professors. And, you know, maybe, you know, you guys are freshmen, right? So you've been there for a little while. So you at least know the campus. But if you're new, oh, my goodness, even more crazy. The, that first year or two, you know, once you start getting into junior, senior year, you start really settling into the campus, understanding where everything is, the best places to park or the best bike path to take. So many new experiences. It is really, tr- truly one of the most exciting things that you can experience. I mean, there, once you leave college, and I've talked about this in other episodes, you will not come across so many different opportunities to learn new things, to experience new things, and to really change the habits that will set you down the course of the rest of your life. Now, if you're like me and you do a lot of reading about things like this, you do realize that you can change any habit. And that's why today's episode is all about neuroplasticity. It's really, in layman's terms, the brain's plasticity is just a term that refers to the brain's ability to change and adapt as a result of experience. Experiences, plural. You know, first day going to class, you know it's not the same as day 30 or 300, right? That first day versus the 15th time you go to class, now you've got a pattern established. Just be mindful of the of the patterns you're establishing because if you ultimately discover that you're not happy with that pattern, then you're going to have to put forth effort to change it. And this is why we're discussing neuroplasticity, because you can change any habit, any pattern you create can be changed, absolutely can be changed. And this is how I know this. Now, you know, again, if you know about my other podcast, From Sobriety to Recovery, then you know that that one's all about the 
basically the journey from getting into sobriety into recovery and has someone who spent 12 years in college because it is the best place to hide out if you're an addict. Um, you know, it's, I, I put down a lot of habits that I, I have spent these last few years understanding and breaking and reformulating. And so one of the beauties of this show is just have these conversations with you. So you realize that the habits that you're forming now are the ones that you will have to live with until you don't want to live with them anymore. And so, and again, your best path to class and how you, the, where you sit in class, these are, these are fluid ones, right? You can change those. They're not as important. The next semester, you're going to have all new professors and a new way to get to places. It's right. Some of these are less foundational to your life. How you communicate with your roommate, how you communicate with your professors, how you study, where you study, uh, why you choose to study at those places. These are the real foundational habits that you will take out of college and you will take out into the working world. You know, how you talk to your professors is very likely going to be how you end up talking to your bosses and your coworkers and how you, uh, the interpersonal communication you have with your classmates, again, going to directly affect how you communicate with your coworkers, uh, whether you volunteer for the project lead in a, the workplace will look very similar to whether you pro- volunteered for the project lead in college. Um, all of these things, I mean, just think about your entire life is you are building these habits, you're building these processes. And when you start to act a certain way in college, you're beginning to formulate the way that your brain is going to, to behave moving past that. Now, the beauty of it is all of this can be changed. You just have to literally pull it out of the unconscious mind and say, okay, this is the habit I have. You know, I'm afraid to approach my professor because he might think my question is stupid. I don't want to look stupid because once in high school, I asked my professor a question and he made me feel stupid in front of the class. And now I have a fear of asking professors questions because I don't want to feel stupid. Okay, this is literally how your brain is working. Think about any experience you have. If your first inclination is fear, and we talked about this in the courage episode, uh, I think it was episode 12. If you don't have the courage to step into something new, look back in your life and find a time when a similar instance happened where you decided you weren't going to do it or you did volunteer and someone made you feel foolish or you made yourself feel foolish and now you're no longer operating it from courage. It's fear. If you can go back and find out where you first got this fear, then you can change that response you have to that memory and then you can go and you can move forward in an entirely different way. As a neurolinguistic uh, practitioner, of which I'm a master of, that we learned that if you can go back and find the time in your life where a trauma occurred and just see it from a different perspective, then you can change the way you feel about that moment, which will change the way you feel about any moment moving forward that looks similar to your unconscious mind. You know, think about anything. And you can you can change it all. Anything can be changed. Uh, look at it from a relationship standpoint. You have a beautiful date and with someone that you care deeply about, and you have an amazing conversation, and you bond tremendously. And you think, wow, I absolutely love this person. This is the most amazing date. This is the most amazing time I've ever had. A few months go 
by and all of a sudden you, it turns out that they weren't faithful to you and you break up and now you're absolutely you know, crushed or you're upset. Now you look back at that day and you think, well, yeah, that's what they said then, but this is how they really acted. That memory you have of that lovely evening that was the foundation for why you cared so much about them all of a sudden seems like a complete lie. You can't believe that they said that stuff to you because they were all they were full of shit. And as time moved on, everything that they promised that night turned out to be a lie. Your brain did that. You had a great night. Things went awry. Now you look back at it like it was crap. So you can do that with other things. You can actually do that with bad experiences. So you, so now a professor makes you look foolish in front of class. You realize that's the, that's the professor's problem. The professor should never have talked to you like that. Now you can look at it like, well, at least I had the courage to speak up and ask a question. And now I know that dealing with people like that isn't healthy. And in the future, my response will be to say, no, you can't treat me like that. I asked a question. Please give me a response. Right? And now you don't feel fearful of going into the professor's office hours because you realize he's not that same professor. Right? High school professors do not operate the same way as college professors. And if you find a college professor who does operate like that, then you can move past them and go to the TA. You can move past them and go to and ask another professor because you're in the land where people want to see you succeed. People want to see you succeed. So take those opportunities. And if there's a trauma or something that upsets you from your past that's affecting your behavior now, realize that you can change that. I'm, that might have gotten a little heady because NLP is its own complicated you know, course and it's based on psychology and psychiatry and it's based on a lot of stuff. And even I'm not the best at explaining it's, you know, what it's truly about. I'm just really adept at knowing the processes because it's all a bunch of processes. <laughs> your life is a bunch of processes. How you're reacting to your first day of class or your first week or your first month is all pre-programmed by how you've, by how you've experienced other new things in the past. So if you have a ton of anxiety about meeting new people on that first day, it's probably because you had a bad experience meeting new people once that now you are thinking, oh, everybody's going to judge me and I'm going to look bad. My clothes won't look great because of this and this and this. So now you have anxiety about meeting all these new people. Whereas your best friend or your classmate loves meeting new people because they have a memory of meeting new people and immediately being accepted and everybody loving them. And so their memory of meeting new people is completely different than yours, but you can change it. And you can change it because the brain has plasticity. Now, the experiment that I was put through last weekend that really, really showed me how amazing this is. Um, so out here in Los Angeles, I'm in this men's group that's all about um, you know entrepreneurship and media, entertainment, technology. It's just a bunch of really forward-thinking men. And we talk about some really great stuff. And in our small group meeting, we... One of our members runs a business that talks about neuroplasticity, and so he does a lot of experiments with people to learn how quickly the brain can adapt to new behaviors. And so he brings in one of these experiments, and what it is is so you you take a target and you uh, put it on the back of a chair, and then you take a bunch of bean bags and you throw them at the target. And of course, 
it's not hard to start immediately hitting the target. I have decades of experience playing a game called Cornhole. Many of you are definitely familiar with this. And so throwing a beanbag at a target is muscle memory 101 for me. I got it. Well, we do this for a couple rounds just to show everybody that how easy it is to hit this target. And I was super pumped whenever I saw him bring this bring this experiment to us. And so I volunteered first. So everybody's watching what I do. Bam, 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 bam. Bullseye every time. Then he puts these drunk goggles on us and not that kind of drunk goggle. Uh, goggles that actually make you feel drunk. And you can buy them on Amazon. They're basically to you know teach kids well, what it's like to be intoxicated. And what it does is it shifts your vision about 30 degrees to the left. So then you take the bean bags and you go to throw them at the target, which you can clearly see in front of you, but it's not. And now all of a sudden the bean bags start going off to the left by about two or three feet. Well, somebody keeps bringing you the bean bags back, and by about the second or third round, you're you start to shift your vision instead of aiming right in front of you, you start aiming about two or three feet off to the right. By the fifth round, you're hitting the target every single time. It's amazing. Your, your brain just quickly did some algorithmic math in its head, in your head, not its head, and boom. Now, all of a sudden, the target you are missing by three feet to the left, you're heading every single time because you start aiming three feet to the right. Then, goggles come off. Now, you're back to normal vision, except when you go to throw the beanbag at the target, which, again, is directly in front of you, all of a sudden, Wow. I mean, we're talking about the beanbags just flying wildly off to the right. Again, that same two, three feet, just shoom, shoom, shoom. Somebody keeps bringing you back the beanbags. You keep throwing them by about the fifth round, and there's eight beanbags. So by about the fifth round, when you get to, you know, throw number 33 to 40, all of a sudden, you start hitting the target again. That's neuroplasticity. And it seems like so simple but I'll tell you what, as many books as I've read, as many experiences as I've had where you know I'm used to taking a certain direction to work and then all of a sudden there's a detour and I have to start taking a new way and I just keep taking that new way. And then before you know it, the path that I had taken for two years seems completely foreign to me because after seven days of taking this new path to work, all of a sudden that becomes the new habit. And now I know exactly where all the stop signs are and the lights. That, you know, that took days to experience. This took minutes. You can try this at home. You can go on the Amazon. You can buy the goggles. It's, you, you could even just take normal glasses and probably smudge them enough, and you'd be able to experience this. And the beauty of it is, is one, it definitely makes you feel drunk. But two, what I really loved about this, besides showing me how quickly the brain could build a whole new synapses, right? And this is where the scientific stuff starts to come in. But these synapses are what basically you have these neurons and let's see, let me see what I have in my show notes. Okay. So synapses per neuron. So when you're born, you have about 2,500 synapses. By the time you're three, you have about 15,000 synapses per neuron. A neuron is like this little hub of energy. And neurons have to send information back and forth on these synapses in order to get you to touch, taste, smell, fear, heal, love, all of it. Everything is a chemical reaction inside of your brain. 
And so now all of a sudden you've got about 15,000 of these roadways firing between each one of these neurons. And if you know science stuff and I'm saying this wrong, feel free to comment. If, if you listen to me and then you try to answer questions on a test about this and you get them wrong, that's on you. Because uh, I'm not trying to make this, you know, over the overboard science stuff. But I just want you to realize, like, you know, you've got like 86 billion neurons, according to the study, the, the research I went off and found. The human brain is composed of approximately 86 billion neurons. By the time you get to average adulthood, when you were three, you had 15,000 synapses per neuron. By the time you get to early adulthood where you guys are at, you have half that many because the brain prunes away the ones that it doesn't need, right? The brain's constantly growing. It's constantly adapting. And as soon as it doesn't need something, it prunes it away. So now you have 86 billion neurons and 7,500 synapses, which are these roadways. Just picture roadways per neuron. Do some math on that. That's got to be trillions. I don't know. A lot. Just as many stars that are in the sky as how many synapses you have in your brain. And so you can learn and adapt to anything. And what this experiment showed me with the beanbags and the goggles was how quickly the brain could do it and what it felt like in the head. Because I've experienced feelings in my brain similar whenever I've had to learn something new. If all of a sudden I power up Photoshop and I've got to figure out something brand new, I go to YouTube, I start watching a video and I can literally feel like the gears in my brain are slowing down. Like not like somebody threw a wrench in there, but all of a sudden it's like, it's like they're, they're trying to spin with tar all around them. Uh, maybe you have a similar experience or, or something you can remember, like you're trying to learn something new. All of a sudden, it's like everything just feels like you're walking in quick, stand, quick, quick sand. And it's like, why is this so difficult? I'm used to learning new things all the time. But then you learn the five buttons it takes to you know, cut this one particular thing out of an image. And then you do that for uh, seven more photos right afterwards. And before you know it, you're just click, 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 click. Something that was so difficult three minutes ago, all of a sudden is easy. This is what it's going to be like for you guys as you learn your path to class, as you start to read new material in this book that perhaps you've never been introduced to before, right? There's going to be this slowing down of the brain. It's going to be building new synapses. It's going to be pruning away the ones it doesn't need. The more you do a habit, the more you do anything, that these neurons that are firing back and forth in order to to get you to do that action those synapses, they thicken. So all of a sudden now, like when you go to high five, the little trick about the high five is look at someone's elbow. You'll never miss again. It's the craziest thing. Don't look at the hand, look at the elbow. Once you do that enough, right, now all of a sudden those neurons that need to communicate in order to get you to high five, the synapses, those roadways, they thicken right? These proteins get in the brain and they literally start to thicken the synapses. So when you first do the high five, it's the first time ever when you're two years old, right? All of a sudden those neurons that go to do that, it's a tiny little string. By the time you're you're, you're 18 to 22, you've done so many high fives that that synapsis is crazy thick. It's built up. This is what's occurring in your freshman year that by the time you're a senior, everything feels old hat because all of these synapses between the neurons that get you to class on time, they teach you how to talk to the professor the correct way, that that you've learned to get the term paper correct and in on time. All of these things you've had to adapt to. And if you're not 
happy with the way you've adapted to these things, you can change them. It won't be as fast as with the bean bags, right? That's an extreme case to show you how quickly the brain can adapt. And this is where you've heard that it can take 7 or 14 or 21 days, 28 days, 42 days to change a habit. What it really comes down to is how thick that synapsis is between all those neurons that communicate that got you to turn that into a habit to begin with. For someone like me who was drinking for 20 years, it wasn't just the drinking that became a habit. It was all of the activities that I had that I did around the drinking. It was going to the bowling alley and drinking. It was going to family events and drinking. It was going to basketball games and drinking. It was drinking by myself when I was lonely. It was drinking by myself when I was happy. Those all were their own separate habit. So they all had to be broken separately. So if you're thinking, well, I don't want to smoke cigarettes anymore, or I want to get up early, or I want to start going to the gym in the morning, there's, it's not just the act of turning off the alarm and getting up, putting on your gym clothes and going. That, that is the main habit that you want to create, but there's all these other little tiny habits that also, I use the word tiny, but they may not be actually be tiny, but there's all these other habits that also need to be changed in order for you to get to the point where you can put on those gym clothes and go to the, the gym before you have class. Are you going to bed early enough? Did you eat properly the day before? Hydrate properly the day before? Get a good enough night's sleep? How many times do you hit snooze? How committed are you really to this? Are you ready for your schoolwork that day? Do you need to read or study instead? Because you're gonna, your brain's immediately going to wake up and come up with excuses for why getting up at 5.30 in the morning and going to the gym sounds like a stupid idea. <laughs> When you go to change one habit, you have to start looking at all the extraneous habits that were also part of that habit. Saying, I want to lose 20 pounds and saying, okay, I'm going to start eating healthy. And then somebody saying, good, eat healthy for 30 days and you'll eat healthy for the rest of your life. That's just not factual because there's a ton of different habits that you've built up around not eating healthy. If you have a negative emotion and you turn towards food, now you have to break each one of those habits you've built around that negative emotion and that particular food you go for. Someone hurts your feelings, you go to Oreos. Somebody you know, doesn't call you back and you turn to Fritos. Whatever it might be, those are all their own habit. So just saying, I'm going to only eat carrots and broccoli from here on out, it's, that's not the only habit you have to look to change. But what I'm telling you is no matter how many habits you have to change, they're all changeable. Just don't get down on yourself. Sit here and throw 8,000 different scientific terms. You should see my show notes. They're all, oh, it's, it's got all this stuff. You know, plasticity is ongoing throughout life and involves brain cells other than neurons, including glial, G-L-I-A-L, glial and vascular cells. Plasticity can occur as a result of learning, experiences, and memory formation, um, all or the result of damage to the brain. I mean, there's, I can sit here and rattle through tons of different data. The point is, is that you don't need any of that. Yes, genetics can have an influence on it. Yes, your environment can have an influence on your brain's plasticity. All of these things. But again, the, the genetics you know, unless you were born literally like missing some major parts and, you know, all of a sudden you, you're, you're challenged or you're gifted now, you know, when it comes to your environment, when it comes to the way you were raised, the people that raised you, for the most part, all of those things are changeable. 
They're only not changeable when you start using them as a crutch for why you can't change. I read something recently. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but I, I don't think it called it... Um, People who say they can't have stories for why they can't. People who don't, winners don't have those stories. Um, and I didn't like, I think there may even have said losers and winners. And I didn't, I don't like those words. But basically, if there's something that you say, well, I can't do that because you're creating that story that tells you you can't do that because so that you can feel okay with the fact that you don't want to do it or you don't want to go into that because you might not succeed. That's your story. I can't play basketball because I'm white. I could easily say that. The fact is, is I can't play basketball because I don't ever play. The last time I shot a basketball was probably eight years ago, and there's a basketball court across the street from my house in a park. I just don't want to prioritize it. And like I brought up in when I was going through the book over the last month and a half, you know, it's that decisiveness. If you choose to prioritize it, then you will get better. Well, I, if I chose to prioritize basketball and every day I went across the street and I shot hoops and I practiced dribbling for an hour a day and I did that for 365 days in a row, I'm going to be a hell of a lot better than I am today. Now, am I going to all of a sudden get a call from LeBron saying I should come off the bench for the Lakers? Doubtful. I'm 43 years old and I've blown out both my knees. <laughs> Just because you can't go pro in that doesn't mean that if you wanted to pick up a guitar, you still wouldn't get better at it if you practiced every day. It's neuroplasticity. We used to believe that the brain became fixed at a certain age. We don't believe that anymore. Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, has plenty of research in it, but there was other people. We we live in the information age. We know that if you want to learn something new, you can learn it because the brain has the ability to adapt. I don't understand why anyone ever thought the brain was fixed to begin with. That, to me, is irrational. Take someone who's 60 years old, who has lived in the deserts of Egypt their entire life, and just fly them to the Amazon rainforest and put them out there and give them food, shelter, water, and warmth, and they're going to be able to adapt. That's all new habits they had to create, and they're 60 years old. Why didn't people see this? The beauty of it is now is we have the internet. They have the entire breadth of human knowledge is on the internet. So for anyone to think that the brain can't adapt, that the brain can't learn, that you can't grow beyond who you are today, you're making that story up and you're choosing to believe it just so you can be okay with standing still. But you guys don't stand still. You don't stand still because you're going to college, because you go to school, because you've chosen to do something different with your life. You're choosing to grow beyond the version of yourself you are today, and you're evolving. You're not evolving into a better version of yourself or a worse version of yourself. You're evolving into a different version of yourself. That's what the word evolving literally means. Or figuratively, I don't know. I'm not going to Google that. (laughs) What I really want for all of you to just start to pull out of the unconscious mind and into your conscious mind is you are currently building hundreds, thousands of new habits. 
thousands. You think the way you walk to class is one habit, but I can assure you within that one habit, there are hundreds of habits. Your, the, your cadence, how, the, the, how fast you walk, how slow you walk. Do you look at people whenever they walk by you? Do you look at the ground? Do you say hello? Do you stop and watch the birds smell the flower? Do you stop and smell the flower? Tons of habits are all built in to the one big habit of walking to class from the bus stop. Any one of those can be changed, and they will bring you a different result you could walk the exact same actual path to class, but instead you could stop at all the benches, sit down, and just close your eyes and meditate for 10 seconds about how happy you are to be in college. That is going to give you a different result in yourself than if you just sped walk all the way from the bus stop to class. Anything you want to experience, anything you have experienced, you can choose to experience a different way just by making the choice and changing one little tiny part of the experiment. Your life, your entire life is one gigantic experiment. Some people say the meaning of life is to love. Some people say the meaning of life is to live. Some people say the meaning of life is to learn. What, regardless of which one of those three L words you believe it is, life is a gigantic experiment. You can choose which one. You can, you can live, love, and learn all at the same time if you decide. Just see your life as a gigantic experiment, like throwing beanbags at a target. That quickly you can learn, if you throw the beanbag to the right, it will actually go straight. And just like with that, I felt the brain building new synapses between neurons. It made my head sort of pulsate. I felt a little bit drunk, felt a little bit wheezy. Felt, it's like I felt this little nervous energy in my, in my belly, right? But that's what change feels like. You get that little bit of nervousness. Sometimes you feel a little off balance. Maybe you feel a little queasy. You know, maybe your brain starts to move a little slower, and you're like, why am I walking through tar and sand? It's just you're learning something new. And the more you program that new behavior in, the thicker that roadway gets till it's a super highway, and you don't even have to think about how to walk to class. But LeBron James doesn't even have to think about how to dunk a basketball. He's got 75 different ways, and all he has to do is just tweak one muscle a centimeter to the left or right, and boom. He has now activated that muscle memory, and he is slam dunking the ball. All of this can be changed, guys, and you have the neuroplasticity to do it. There is nothing you cannot change. You are literally learning thousands of new habits this month. And next month, it'll be a thousand more. And after some time, you'll start to think that you're, oh, I'm just following the same habits. Just stop and, and, and look at what you're doing and ask yourself, am I? Am I creating thousands of new habits or have I started to settle into the same hundreds? And am I happy with the results I'm getting? Because if you're not happy with the results you're getting, then you can change them just by putting the effort into changing them. And if you are happy with the results that you're getting, then you can put that into memory and say, hmm, all right, I've experimented with that way. That way I do see success. Now what if I tweak it just a little bit more? Will I get more success? Right? There's always more success. It's all about how you perceive success. Once you get 100 on a test, 100 may not be enough for you anymore. 
now all of a sudden you want to do extra reading. And while you might still only be able to get 100 on a test, there's going to be something inside of you that knows that you overlearned material to the point where now you're like goodwill hunting. Instead of just regurgitating the information you read out of a book like that one guy in the bar did to the pretty lady he was talking to, he actually fundamentally understood the material. It became part of who he was, and he was able to actually integrate it into his brain and knowably, knowably, knowingly discuss it in an, in, a, in an intellectual way that didn't sound like information regurgitated. There's always higher. And be okay with the fact that you're learning how to get there. Life is ever-evolving. I can assure you I was great at school even though I was drinking most of the time, and I'm still learning a ton of new awesome stuff even at the ripe old age of 43. It's amazing. Enjoy the very first month of your semester. I'm sure you have. If you have not, change the way you're seeing it. It is an amazing experience. You've got a long way to go, and I'll be here every step of the way. I'll see you next week. Please, if you haven't already, go on whatever app you're listening to me on. Subscribe, rate, review. doesn't take a lot to throw me some stars. Type in, hey, man, this dude's awesome. I love the way he talks. Whatever you want to say, hell, tell me I suck. I'll read it and figure out if you're mean or if you're right. (laughs) There is no fail back. There is no failure, guys. There's only feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. See you next week. Bye-bye.